Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. special midweek edition of the rundown brought to you by restoring the faith thank you so much for watching i'd be encouraged if you could subscribe to the channel and like all the pages subbing in for steve today we have kennedy hall from canadia we're going to get the socialist perspective on the new world order today we're going to be talking about all kinds of things no jab no mass in some places around the world we called it here first we were called conspiracy theorists uh but that's okay we like to be right. We'd rather be wrong, to be honest. Uh, Trump won, and you know it, broadcast in LAX. We have that video. Uh, in Australia, things are getting really bad, guys. Really bad in Australia. They're so bad that 78% of the hospitalized people with COVID-1984 are fully vaccinated, and another 18% are partially vaccinated. So, uh, yeah, this is a pandemic of the vaccinated people are rising up in new york and rightfully so because the new governor of new york i know now why they took down cuomo she's insane you will not believe her preaching this is the rundown let's get going sun tzu's the art of war has influenced leaders and politicians all over the world but now general mark milley has updated the text Tossing out all the important stuff and replacing it with treason. Go to war the progressive American way with these valuable insights. If there is enemy that must be destroyed, pick up phone and give them heads up. It's only fair. If commanding officer send mean tweet, there's no need to follow order. Keep your friends close and your enemies on speed dial. General Milley has drawn from years of experience and cowardice to bring the art of war into the 21st century. Mm. Treason, not really treason, if it's lesser of two treason. The supreme art of war is to surrender to your enemy without fighting. Attack the enemy when he's unprepared, but also prepare the enemy. Not in the military and never going to war? Don't worry, General Milley's The Art of War still has tips for you. True knowledge can be found by knowing thy enemy pronouns. Do not threaten enemy. Collude with enemy. 
Give hugs and kisses to enemy. He who turns on bad orange man gets big book deal. Cha-ching! Order The Art of War now and receive a free recording of General Milley on the phone with a Chinese general. Hello, China. OMG, Trump is looking really, like, crazy right now. I don't know, maybe gonna launch a nuke or something? Just call him to give a heads up, because we're besties, right? Oh, oh, wait, no, no, he's not going to war. I think he's just ordering a Big Mac. Okay, well, I'll hit you up if he does anything else. Okay, bye, love you. Order now, or you'll bring dishonor to my whole dynasty. General Mark Milley's The Art of War will turn you from a hero into a zero. Call now. You shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. Journalists, we have a special jail for journalists. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters. Glasses, you write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world because of jail. Every time you leave your home, you write to jail. You exercise, jail. Carpool, jail. Browsing, also jail. And if I leave the house to go shopping, believe it or not, jail, right away. Leave your home, write to jail, right away. The basic message is... They put you in jail. Right away. No trial, no... no. Summer one came a couple days. Okay, we're here, four of us. 
We have tons of videos to get to. We have like two weeks of material because we missed on Friday and I missed you. Uh, happy feast of St. Wenceslas, King of Bohemia. Did you know that St. Wenceslas had to go to war with his own mother and kill her in order to keep his crown? It's pretty based, if you ask me. This episode is brought to you by the Saint Maker, and I'm going to be talking about the Saint Maker later in the Grift segment, but I am now required to mention that up front, and so I have contractually meted my, met my duty. All right, guys, um, let's talk uh, first stop. What's the first stop? New York. She's activated the National Guard. I know exactly why Cuomo went down. It's so that this lady could fill the shoes. And we'll be nation leading with our mandate, which strikes at midnight tonight when everyone is expected in a hospital in the state of New York or a health care facility to have been vaccinated. I will be signing an executive order to give me the emergency powers necessary to address the shortages where they occur. That's going to allow me to deploy the National Guard who are medically trained, deploy people uh, who've been retired, who may have had a license lapse, bring in people from elsewhere. That is not my first position, though, my friends. My, my, my desire is to have the people who've been out there continue to work in their jobs, work in them safely, and to all the other health care workers who are vaccinated, they also deserve to know that the people... Need that- to do. Wait, wait, wait. So, Liz, so she, she's gotten- literally activating the National Guard because of the people that she fired. She fired people from the hospitals for being unvaccinated, and now she wants the National Guard to come in and fill the jobs that she just fired. Is that what I heard? Yes. That's what you heard. Brian, you and I, actually, you and I talked about why they took down Cuomo. And Kennedy, you had me on the Kennedy Report, which airs daily at 3 o'clock Eastern on the Crusade Channel. Kennedy Profession. Kennedy Profession. Sorry. You had me on the Kennedy Profession, Kennedy Hall, based Lumberjack from the North. And we were talking about Cuomo. Why did Cuomo go down? I think I know. He just wasn't base enough for the left or woke enough or whatever it is. <laughs> he was too much of a he, he, he was too much of an old school. I, I tell he, he believed in flaw, whatever. He was an idiot, but he still had a, re, a semblance of some sort of old school uh, stick to to him. They needed somebody who was a complete and utter and complete and utter sieve, I guess. And they found one. Uh She's actually has a penchant for preaching. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this, but the new governor of New York, the lady who took over for the Me Too governor, Andrew Cuomo, handsy hands. Uh, she had well, she likes to preach. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, here she I is preach. preaching that the vaccine is a gift from God. I prayed a lot to God during this time, and you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers. He made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. He made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. Vaccine. That is from God to us. Vaccine. That is from God to us. There are not legitimate religious exemptions because the leaders of all the organized religions have said there's no legitimate reason. And we're going to win that in court in a matter of days. And we must say thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. 
I need you to be my apostles. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to be my apostles. There are not legitimate religious exemptions because the leaders of all the organized religions have said there's no legitimate reason and we're going to win that in court in a matter of days. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. Please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. Of the people who were in hospital yesterday, 78% were vaccinated and 17 were partially vaccinated. Please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a hospital and are treated by somebody. You don't want to get the virus from them. Of the people who were in hospital yesterday, 78% were vaccinated and 17 were partially vaccinated. You're already sick or you wouldn't be there. We have to solve this, my friends. I need every one of you. I need you to let them know that this is how we can get fight, fight this pandemic, come back to normal, and then start talking about the real issues that we have to, fighting systemic racial injustice. Uh, my default position is to ask people, please do this. This is why it's been proven to be safe. The vaccine's been out there a long time now. It's been proven to be safe. The vaccine's been out there a long time now. There are not legitimate religious exemptions because the leaders of all the organized religions have said there's no legitimate reason and we're going to win that in court in a matter of days. And so this is so unnecessary. And I just want to appeal to the individuals to know that, you know, your co-workers want you to do this. Don't make the burden heavier on them. as Brother, it looks like she's an evangelist for a brand new religion the COVID religion. We talked about this uh, quite a bit on the rundown. I had Father Dave Nixon talking about how the COVID religion is the anti-religion. It's a new religion, and here she is pushing the high sacrament of the new religion, the fake religion, the unholy sacrifice of the jab. She literally wears a, uh, a religious article. She says she wants to make apostles, and she also says, Brother Martin, that there are no religious exemptions in the state of New York because Pope Francis has said, take the jab. I mean, now that you're mixing the jab with religion, we might see a little bit of a legal debate here because I think the legionaries of Christ actually have a monopoly on this, on this perspective of making this, this jab a sacrament for, <laughs> for religion. Wait, you're not talking about the legionaries of Satan, are you? Is that the same order? Absolutely. Oh, okay. All Absolutely. Right. I mean, any any anywhere is you know, they ask what what their charism is, and usually they, I thought their they charism was respond, being but, autistic. I mean, it's fundraising. Something, something like that. But anyways, yes. They, I mean, they are. I mean, the question before was if they're pushing this hard, there's got to be something wrong with it, right? But now it's like, have they ever ever pushed anything this hard, so that they they're I mean. The propaganda is is almost brainwashing of, of trying to use people's religious sentiment, quoting scriptures just like Satan himself did um, to our Lord when when the Spirit led our Lord out into the desert. You know, quoting scripture to get him to to throw himself off the temple, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to turn a rock into bread. Um, this is exactly what's happening. I mean, we all, as Christians, we all know that you know this this typical yeah. sense of scripture, um, 
and and they're absolutely twisting it in a diabolical way. I saw um, I saw on the chat, Ryan. Really you said uh, you said I will make you fishers of the jab. I mean, she literally says, "I will. I need apostles. I need apostles for my religion." She's preaching, Ryan Grant. It, necessarily, it has to take its religious connotation because the it's it just another outreach of the state. And I don't mean all government per se, but the modern state, which is really Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And whenever you come in and say, well, we're going to have separation of church and state, what you're de facto doing is making the state both. You're making the state the religion as well as the, because religion that is natural both to man and to the <clears> state. <throat> so what's what we're seeing is that one thing or another is always kind of, you know, it, it, would-be tyrants are always moving you into some kind of state worship. You look at the major dictators and um, over over history, they always want to be worshipped in one way or another. Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, etc., Hitler. And then with, uh, you know, now we can confidently say, you know, Biden, Clinton, Obama. I mean, the in, in terms of the modern state in this country, they uh, absolutely want to be worshipped, and so whatever it is, it becomes part of the state religion. Sometimes it's catchy tunes like uh, "Support the Troops," or it's um, you know, "Everyone vote." That's your superpower. Vote, um, you know, that's your sacrament. Everyone get out there and do that, or whatever it is. I mean, there are always these little things that build up the religion of the state. And then you have your penances. You didn't obey whatever order it is, so now you're going to get thrown in the, in the jail. Or again, you're um, you didn't take part in this procession, so you're not part of the, the the state religion properly, right? So all of those things are kind of have been part of the natural cultivation throughout American history of a state religion of sorts, and now it's found its new replacement to get you to the next phase of state worship, which is, and I mean, it's so Orwellian, or you know, it Orwellian is probably one of the most overused adjectives mm-hmm. in 2020 and 2021. And it is no less true every time we say it. So this, I mean, they just made it plain. plain. This is a new religion taking the motif from scripture and things and reapplying it to however they're going to do it. So yeah, I'll make you fishers of jabs uh, or of the jab or whatever it is, you know, because that's really what they want you to be. And then if that's so, what is this sacrament that is so life-giving? that they have to get it in your arm. And, I think, and that's where it all revolves around. If it wasn't that nefarious, put it this way, if it helps you, they would not be out there pushing it so hard. If that's right. They wouldn't helped. have to subsidize it, make it free. They wouldn't have to advertise it. They wouldn't have to pay you to take it. They wouldn't have to force you to take it. Kennedy Hall, we talk about the politics of the state of New York, near and dear to your heart because it neighbors you, really. Um Cuomo went down for touching some people. Uh, he, he will, of course, not be tried for the genocide that he committed against the elderly in the state of New York, especially for putting them all on ventilators, which was a death sentence 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the politics of the state of New York and the politics of where you are are not too dissimilar. My thesis is that uh, it was always an inside job to take him down. Guys like that have been handsy their whole lives. They've always known that he was handsy. They just chose now to take him down. I think I know why now, because this woman is certifiably insane. What say you? Well, I do know a little bit about insane tin pot dictators who call themselves elected politicians, as I've I've got a few of them overlording me right now. Um, I think we're, you know, it's it's funny, Ryan mentioned uh, Orwell. And uh, 
I had never actually read 1984 till last year, and I decided I wanted to read some current events, so I picked it up and I read it last year. Um, but I keep going back to um, my basic understanding of Shakespearean literature and um, the Greek myths, and I'm seeing, I think the, I think the cracks or the limitations in the Orwellian literature and in the literature by Huxley is it was very good it was very strong but they wrote basically as atheists i guess and i think they sort of um i think they had this idea that there was a, a naturalist uh stick to let's say that the communists would have where they would maintain their composure uh because they had this idea that they were united with some common goal but i think they missed the reality of the effect of sin on the intellect if that makes sense and now I think we're seeing the logical conclusion of not only people who are dictators, not only people who are obviously, you know, they want to control your life. That's pretty clear. Um, but they're also, you know, living highly disordered lives and have promoted highly disordered things in all manner of society, whether it's economic, moral, whatever. They've been promoting things that are really bad for them to be someone who is the agent of that sinful activity. And we're, we're it's kind of like a reduction to a, the absurdity at this point where the only type of person left who can be in charge of something like this is someone who's insane enough to want to be in charge of something like this. Um, and I think we see that with men like Trudeau. Uh, we see that with this crazy preacher lady from New York. Um, and on the other hand, you know, you see, you see the men who are not so insane, um, like Boris Johnson or my, uh, my dictator here in Ontario, Doug Ford, and they become dead shells of their former selves because they're almost, it's like there's a vampiric germ that sucked the, the virtue out of them. What a little, what little virtue they had with this whole, this whole regime. So it's, um, it's an interesting, uh, I, I think we're, if this was a Shakespearean play, I think we're at the point where Macbeth starts to lose his mind, if that makes sense. And, um, I think that's what we're seeing. So it's encouraging to see people rising up, especially in uh, the Big Apple of all places, because we have seen hundreds of thousands of people around the world rise up against this totalitarian regime. Uh, we've seen it in France, Italy. Uh, we've seen it in England. We've seen it a little bit in Ireland uh, and other places in the world. We haven't really seen it in the United States. Now, again, these people are very peaceful here in the U.S. We haven't seen really, like, any conflict with the cops. Um, but the, the, the global takeover is happening. You know, the most peaceful people are, are the Canadians. I mean, they have, like, these, like, silent protests. They don't even chant. Huh. 
and and they're yeah. socialist distance too, uh, Kennedy. They're really friendly. <clears throat> well, we are friendly uh, guys, and um, and uh, it's it's an interesting thing up here because there's a massive there's a massive groundswell that is not seen that I'm witnessing on the ground, um, and it's very kind of exciting to be a part of. Um, but there's something about the, uh, you know, we're loyalists, right? You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're common, what we're commonwealth do-gooders, I guess. And, uh, so we recognize there's an issue and we don't have this national mythology, um, to deal with. And it's, it's, uh, if anyone's ever read or listened to Alexander Dugan talk about traditionalism as a cultural phenomenon, um, I think that Canada is discovering its traditionalism right now. That might sound a little bit strange to people, but what I mean is, this is the first time in Canadian history where the government has significantly oppressed its own people en masse. It has never happened uh, to this degree. And um, it's it's been very strange to see that the different reactions to it. Um, but there's a very motivated network building of about, about one and a half to two million people right now that I know of um, that are part of this movement. And it is growing, um, but we've sort of taken a different approach because there's not really an avenue for force here. It's just kind of not in the, it's not in the personality. So you've got to use what you have. I'm sorry. I had to do, I didn't know where else to put the, the, the proddy lame, uh, heretical thing in. Anyway, um, we've got to keep the show moving. We told in the we told you so segment, we told you that they were going to go after your money. We told you they're gonna go after your money and they are. Last week, last time we did this broadcast, we told you that there are nations in Africa that are now unbanking you. If you're not vaccinated, you will not have a bank account. Well that is spreading to the United States. But first, in order to do that the IRS needs to be aware of every transaction over six hundred dollars. Well, we've been fighting this. The problem is they won't put hundreds of thousands of more IRS agents in play. And this is not just Republican. This is Democrat, too. This is Americans. Do you want people in your business? And right now they can uh, find out every ten thousand dollars you spend. But now they want to move it all the way down to six hundred to $600. And if you go out and buy a wedding dress for your daughter, if you go buy a gun to go hunting, if you buy plane tickets, they're going to know everything you do. And they cannot keep a secret. Uh, they will release all your records to the media or whoever. If they don't like you, they're going to come after you. All it is, is is the Gestapo agency, you know, for Joe Biden. And we cannot allow this to happen. Today, I'm dropping a bill on the floor just in a few hours. It's to protect the Financial uh, Privacy Act. Do not do this. The American people don't need the IRS in their business any more than what they are. So, Ryan, uh, we said that they were going to come after the pocketbook, that, that the cashless society, that, that, that you know, you, you walk around. And I've been in, I don't know, I've been in 15 states in the last month, and nobody has coins. Nobody's taking cash. Mm -hmm. You have to have exact change. There's a, there's a shortage of cash. There's an aversion to cash. Now all of your payments are going to be electronic. Now the IRS is going to be aware of everything that you buy more than $600, they say. I'm sure it's even a lower threshold than that. Um, we've been talking about this for a long time. COVID really helps the monetary control of people in that agenda, the cashless agenda. 
Well, they kind of showed their hand right as the the scandemic started. Frankly, uh, back in March of tw- uh, 2020, when in the House uh, relief package for the unspecified virus of unspecified origin, um, they uh-huh. they called for making everything cashless right there, and it got stripped out. So there was a big outcry. Um, it's a bit, they kind of already tipped their hand. It was only six months later that Mark Carney, Bank of International Settlements, is just is it's gloating over the fact that we're going to bring in this new central bank digital currency, CBDC. And if uh, we see a transaction we don't like, we're going to shut it down. You're not even going to have the option to to pay in any other way. That's it. It's going to be, you know, that's the currency they're going to create out of thin air. So where we're at now, uh, there's a lot of places that still do, do uh, have cash. And there are, you know, different ways it's being done. But the trend is undeniable, has been moving toward cashless because it's so darn bloody convenient in so many ways you know if you went i mean whether you're shopping online or it's like oh i forgot to go take x amount of you know uh, cash out of the bank to do my spending this we nobody thinks that way you've got your nice handy debit card that is essentially as good as cash in terms of uh accessibility to your funds uh, everyone takes it now but of course has that uh, string attached that anytime you swipe it they can see everything you're doing so you know, I think we were talking about this the last time as well. The 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 jab passport has nothing whatsoever to do with your health. It has nothing to do with anything except maybe as another you know enforcement vehicle to force you to get you to roll up your sleeve. But what it's really for is setting up that personal digital ID that will go with you everywhere, and then that way when they come in with your their CBDCs, everything will be tied to that passport. And so and if you refuse to get it, they will cut yeah. you out of the system. And so and that's the way they're going to force compliance, not just to the jab, but that's to right. anything, anything whatsoever yeah, it's, it's they want to do. With the jab, but it ends with uh, total control of your life. Red Candy in the live chat says in Chicago, we take cash. Uh, they take a little more than that in Chicago. Here's a shot from Chicago, the Windy City. Oh, look at this. Wow. Insane. Insane, yo. Yo, this is in the middle of the Ulta right now. Look at this. Look at this. Insane, TJ. <laughs> Insane. We don't we don't just take cash in Chicago. We take perfume. We take we take purses. We take Gucci <laughs> in Chicago in Chi Town. Hey, did you know? Did you know more people were shot in Chi Town than in Afghanistan uh, in the in twenty twenty one? Anyway, just just a little thing about Chi. I'm sorry, Red. I'm sorry, Red Candy. You brought up Chi Town. I had to go there. I had it teed up. Anyway. Um, we are now living in a lawless society. The rule of law is uh, is totally uh, gone. And but sticking with the rule of law and tying that into uh, fiscal and monetary policy, here's the usurper in chief, fake Catholic Joe Biden, saying that his six trillion dollar infrastructure plan is going to cost nothing, cost zero. It's free. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. 
So they say it's not, you know, people, understandably, well, you know, it started off at $6 trillion, now it's $3.5 trillion, now it's going, is it going to be $2.9? It's going to be zero. Zero. Because in, the, in that plan that I put forward, and I said from the outset, I said, I'm running to change the dynamic of how the economy grows. I'm tired of trickle down. The trillionaires and billionaires are doing very, very well. You all know, you've all reported it. And in the middle of this crisis, but hardworking people and middle-class people are getting hurt. And so I provide for, for example, a tax cut. If you have a child, you get a refundable tax credit. It's reduced hunger in America by 40%, literally, for children. You have the, uh, uh, the whole notion of being able to provide for uh, daycare for your children, getting people back to school, et cetera. It's all paid for. It's all paid for. But a lot of these are flat tax cuts that exist within my proposal. And they're being calculated as if the cost of, of the uh, child care tax credit is a cost to the government. It's not. It's reducing taxes. Reducing taxes, not increasing taxes. Now, part of the. First of all, I'm, like I'm impressed said, that uh, fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden was able to get so many sentences out. One wonders, I don't even know, like, does he use a teleprompter when he's speaking live to reporters, too? Because that's something that they would just let him get away with. Anyway, uh, he takes that hit of sweet adrenochrome. Yes. Yes, that's, that's, one the, that's one of the YouTube buzzwords. Uh, if you're watching live, I oh, hope you sorry. enjoyed uh, RTF. It's been a great run. Um, <laughs> uh, but the thing, the thing is, though, here, here, we have, here we have fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden saying that he's going to spend $4 trillion or $3 trillion or $6 trillion, some number of trillions of dollars, and a number that's so big, Kennedy Hall, that, that the human mind can't even fathom it. I mean, really... Past a, past ten thousand, you really your your mind can't even sort out the numbers. You can do the math, but you can't conceptualize the magnitude of it. We're reaching a point where uh, where currency is going to have no no meaning whatsoever, no value. We are we are witnessing inflation. We're witnessing uh, the price of housing becoming avail- unavailable to most people. Our generation, uh, Kennedy, yours and mine. Uh, the uh, the upper millennials, if you will, or or brothers' generation, the actual millennials, if you will, um, it, we, housing is unavailable to us. Uh, cars cost fifty thousand uh, dollars. Your actual earning power is going down. The value of the monopoly money is going down. The unfunded liabilities and the trillions and tens of trillions and and hundreds of trillions of dollars of derivatives that are weighing everything down are out there. So. Uh, they're moving to a cashless economy now at breakneck speed. I, I have to believe that those two things are intertwined. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned car. We just got a Honda Odyssey. I found a snag of a deal. We got an eight-seater van. That was a pretty special day. It was uh, 2014, but it only had 70,000 clicks on it, kilometers. Anyway, one owner. So there was a special deal we got. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it's very hard to find a car that you can afford. Um, I had to search high and low and drive all over the basically within a two-hour radius of my house to be able to find one. And um, it is expensive to get a house. You know, Dwight Schrute from the office. He might, he's not a prophet, uh, but he might be the most prophetic man on on uh, on the, the funniest show that I think I've I've ever watched. 
and he said um, he wanted a raise, and he said it doesn't matter. Money's not real since the gold standard, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, it's, uh, you know, this whole rising inflation and the rising of debt, it's very strange because, you know, you listen to guys that I greatly respect, you know, the, the Peter Schiff types and things, and they're always calling for a collapse. It's imminent, it's imminent, it's imminent. But it just keeps going for some reason, and I personally don't understand it. Um, I know that at some point there has to be a reckoning, but I just don't know when that's going to come because I, I, I keep hearing it's going to come soon and, and the hockey stick keeps going way more severe on the graph and, and, and the, you know, the alarm bells go off, but they just keep printing more money. Um, as a practical note, <clears throat> um, I would recommend to, especially, you know, those of us trying to live the traditional Catholic life and our wives are at home and all that sort of stuff. There's not, a, not there's not always a ton of money going around. Um, now is a good time to check out, uh, traditional budgeting. You know, look up Dave Ramsey. I don't know if his opinions on everything are great, but we implemented uh, his actual budgeting system in our house, and it was very practical. A couple of years ago, it was very helpful. Um, so, you know, there's not much we can do about um, the trillions and trillions that are happening in the ether of of fake money. But if uh, if it is a time to tighten the tighten the straps around the economy in your own home, there's a, there's good sense in getting more of a handle on that. So that's something I would recommend. Kennedy, right you're, now. But you're the other such a boomer. Why? Why? Listening to Dave Ramsey? Because I said budget? <laughs> well, his, his, Do you have the cash envelope is, too? Do you have the envelope good, with man, the cash it. divided into... No, no. We have the every... We have the every dollar. Oh, it's an app. app. Okay, oh, it's an app now. It. So if it's going when digital, my wife and I did can, Dave Ramsey when you we were newlyweds really 15 years ago, we had that like actual envelope and we put like dollars in yeah. the envelope. It's awesome. It works, man. I want to. I, I want to actually. You know what? It's the rundown. It's supposed to be the four of us, but I want to give a contrarian view to what Kennedy just said, just to spice it things up, just oh, to prove you. to him how wrong he is. Uh, if you're in, uh, if you're in an environment of hyperinflation, my contention is that debt is your friend. If you can lock in debt now at a fixed interest rate especially, and you inflate that debt away, who cares? For example, if you put a $200,000 mortgage on your house and you know you're headed into hyperinflation and five years later, $200,000 buys you a loaf of bread and you, owe, and you still owe $200,000 on your house, hey, you've inflated your debt away. This is precisely the strategy that the government's using against us. This is precisely the strategy that the central bankers and the banksters, you know who they are, are using against us. So why not play their own game against them? Why not load up on debt if you really think the dollar is going to collapse because the debt will be meaningless? Contrarian view. Yeah, that might be true. Honestly, I'm not an econom economics guy. Um, we just bought a house, and we did the whole – we live in a city, and we and the, the price of our house is silly. It's just ridiculous. And uh, we went and found a place in a nice – one stoplight town an hour away from the city that I'll never mention where it is for <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, surrounded by a bunch of cornfields, you know, it's uh, it's it's awesome. I love cornfields. Uh, so I'm not saying I'm doc, I'm not doctrinaire about uh, Dave Ramsey. I'm just saying uh, while you're playing the game, having a handle of what you do have is is it, it gives you peace of the mind. The other thing you all. have to consider, of course, uh, Brother Martin, is the well, the moral ramifications of usury. And usury, I think, is something that is misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, and the definition of usury has changed over time, uh, within the Catholic Church anyway. And, uh, you know, the usurer used to be buried separately from the suicide. Uh, like, like, 
just like suicides, separately from believing Catholics. Now, in the 1800s, the church got into usury, and suddenly usury was okay. So, if you again, if you're in a hyperinflationary environment and your rate of return on your interest is comparable to the rate of inflation, then that's probably not usury. But uh, I'm not giving any financial advice, though. All right, so don't listen to me. Like, just just disregard me. But I am. It is true that the government is is levying a secret, insidious tax upon all of us called inflation. And they're, they're weaponizing inflation in order to inflate away their reckless debt spending. And both parties do it. All parties do it. Vote harder, right, Ryan? <laughs> sure. Brother Martin, I said your name. I said We're your name, to but your I brother. didn't actually cut to you. Right. Hey, did you guys know that Trump actually won? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll you for the following passenger. Passenger Trump won. You know him? You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. Trump won. So Ryan, I can do on it, but um, in. LAX, that's funny. I love it. Uh, they should do it at Starbucks. Uh, they should do it everywhere. But back to the, the back to the whole situation with usury. Um, to help us help us set our minds right. Can we use debt as a counter tool against the banks the banksters who are using debt to deprive us of a living wage? It's it's uh, there there is a moral argument here. And maybe brothers should get, you know consider that or <clears throat> add something to it. But in terms of what I mean, when you look at it, that they are using this thing to harm us. I think it is morally incumbent on us to get ourselves into a position of security for ourselves and for our families. And if you know part of doing that is playing the strategy against them. I mean, when, seriously, when you look at it, taxation is theft. Is it theft in an absolute sense? Well, no, because the church has taught that uh, taxation can be just in a justly ordered society. Common law, natural law, there is a sense in which you know you can actually exact a, a taxation in terms of when there's a legitimate st- uh, government or what have you. But um, but the way taxation is carried out in the United States is purely theft at every level. Mm-hmm. And yep. there is, I mean, the same thing is taxed multiple mm-hmm. different times. You get taxed doing the same activity several different times in several different jurisdictions. It really is just theft. And this, when the banks, too. The banks come in and they're diluting. Apart from whatever the government's doing in printing, the bank is diluting the value of your money and destroying your earning power, your ability to provide for your family and secure yourself whenever they engage in fractional reserve lending. And they, you know, which uh, means that if they have, um, you know, $10,000 in deposit at the central bank, they can create 90000 more in dis- decreasing sequences of loans, right, for every 10000 that they've got around. So they create this checkbook money that doesn't exist, but it does get spent into the economy because it exists on their ledgers. And that's and the only things they pay between them, all the different banks, are the differences because the whole system functions as one bank you might go to this bank and that bank even a lot of the smaller banks they they have more ethical practices in their local people but they're still bound to the rules set by the federal government federal government and so many other different things so now you're at that spot where 
everything they do uh, is toward destroying you know the economy. So if we can find some position to wedge ourselves in to something that's going to be advantageous to our family. I mean, I think it it really falls into uh, you know the, the goods are common at that point to war. You know, if they're going after you, yeah. with this, we need to do something in that whether that's buying food, getting precious metals, property, whatever it happens to be. I highly recommend at least food and property and precious metals too, although everyone says gold. My recommendation is silver because silver is far more easily divisible. Well, but anyway, that's just me. That's, that's my opinion. We're not course, giving financial advice. But we are, we are in an economic war, and we do need to buy productive assets. As a matter of fact, the usurper-in-chief, fake Catholic Joe Biden, has some advice on what types of productive assets to buy. I have two shotguns. My home, they're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun, buy shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun. Buy a double barrel shotgun. You don't need a flamethrower. And you don't need a tank. You don't need an AR-15 to scare those thugs away. No, and I don't need a grenade launcher. I don't need an F-15. There's just one thing I need to do. And they'll stay away from me. Fire to blast outside the house. Buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun, baby. You don't need a machine gun, you don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun, buy a double shotgun. Fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun, buy a shotgun. I mean, that's sage advice. That's probably the best advice that that man's ever given, I would say. But the thing is, is he doesn't really go into specifics. Like, for me, I, I have to have a pump action. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not particular action, about 12 or 20. Whatever, whatever ammo is, is plentiful and that you can stock up on. But here's the, here's the key, guys. First shot, bird shot. Second shot, buck shot. Then after that... Buckshot, buckshot, buckshot. <laughs> anyway, uh, we need to get into a very serious story, and it's a, it's it's uh, uh, providential that we have Kennedy Hall with us because Kennedy is an SSPXer, and the SSPX, the Society of Saint Pius X, has come out with an article, and in the article they yeah. seem, anyway, to promote the jab. Now, Church Maleficent has taken this into a totally different direction, and, and uh, well, they're to be ignored on this subject, uh, or really anything involving the SSPX. But uh, I was surprised, Kennedy. I was very surprised. I was very disappointed when I saw that. Because, first of all, yeah. they, they came out pro-jab early on, and there was an outcry, and then they walked that back. Now here they are again coming out pro-jab. Walk us through it. I wouldn't say they're pro-jab. Um, so I'm just going to uh, – forgive me if I take a couple minutes here. I don't want to take too much of everyone else's time. But um, 
I have to be very careful with how I speak about this because, um, well, it's very—it's a nuclear subject, and I don't know why I'm talking about it. But that's just what providentially you called me tonight while I was at the park with my kids and said we need to come on the rundown. Um, so, um, a couple principles we need to establish on the one one basic moral theology. Uh, it's not a sin to suffer under some sort of sinful regime. So right now what's going on, we're suffering through communism. I think that's I think that's the first thing that has to be established. Um, second thing, um, it's not a sin if a grave necessity arises, generally speaking, where you would have to have a remote cooperation with an evil that you didn't do for some reason that that uh, is necessary. So for example, let's take vaccines as an example. Uh, I had Pamela Acker on when I interviewed her back in, I think, January. <clears throat> and um, we were obviously very critical of vaccination in general. You know everything she believes. Um, but she said that she believes the rabies vaccine, which I know the rabies vaccine is technically, is it a prophylactic or therapeutic? Whatever. The point is, uh, she says it works. And, and um, you know, rabies has 100% death rate, so or 98% or whatever it is. So if you went to the hospital, as if I were to go to the hospital here, I got bit by a, a crazy raccoon on the other side of the COVID curtain. Um, you know, I would not have the option of asking for a pro-life version of that vaccine. It just wouldn't exist and they wouldn't procure it for me. And I would, I would die if I didn't take it by a rabid possum. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's this, I think we can agree that, um, that's the case as far as moral theology can justify if a grave situation arises, um, if the intent is, uh, is not to procure the evil that was done that made the thing happen in the first place that's not your fault that's basically the way of understanding it so last thing i need to say as well is i think there is the the danger of uh the american uh conservative catholic echo chamber and what i mean by that is you guys are very lucky to live in the united states uh, as as much as as easy as it is to make fun of it um there are very few countries in the world where the idea of a medical exemption where the idea of getting other employment, um, where the idea of uh, having even a social safety net, if possible, if you had to leave your job for a bit or something, that's not a reality for a lot of people. Uh, there are Catholics living in places like China, where um, not only can they not send their kids to Catholic schools, for example, um, they have to send their kids to a government school or they'll take their children away. So, you know, for the context of, let's say, Mike from RTF, you can tell by his suits that he's a man who could afford a decent uh, private school. Um, it's his duty to not put his kids in the public school system or, you know, either put them in some sort of good schooling or, or give them homeschooling because that's something he can do. If this, uh, But that's not the case for a Chinese Catholic where they, they legally can't do that and they would have to make a decision, for example, between do I put my kids in the Chinese school where they're going to tell them atheism is true and then I'll have to just catechize them at, at home as best as I can. I definitely see where you're like going crazy. with this, um, and, and I understand that. But why wouldn't they word the letter in, in that exact way? Why wouldn't they say in, in, in those rare instances or why, why wouldn't they word it as an exception to the rule rather than saying that it, that, you know, it could be an act of charity? I don't think that they did say it was not an exception. I think they just said that this is possible and that this is what the church teaches. Um, you know, my mother is 60-something years old. I don't want to age her. Um, thanks be to God she's not in a nursing home. If I did not have power of attorney, let's say, over her, and she was in a nursing home and had dementia, 
and I didn't take the jab, I would never see her again. Uh, I can't go into a nursing home without a jab in Ontario. Uh, right now, priests uh, that are in Mexico that serve the uh, Havana Chapel, I don't know if they've been able to go and give virtually the only sacraments in Cuba for the last 18 months. So I've talked to many priests in the SSPX about this, and um, their position is essentially, <clears throat> if I have to drink poison in order to save my children's souls, then that's something I might have to do. And that's where the act of charity comes into it. Uh, it's very serious in some countries right now. Uh, I am I work for LifeSite, for goodness sake. You, can, <laughs> you know what I think about this thing. I'm not pro this thing at all, okay? Um, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm, I worry. I worry sometimes mm -hmm. as a Canadian that they might take my children yeah, sure. if I don't get jabbed. Okay, so let me kick it over to Brother Martin. Because, Brother Martin, I, uh, uh, amongst all the people who are like the pro-Catholics... I, it sounds to me like Kennedy just said probably the most reasonable thing that a pro-Catholic says. Because uh, what you hear from a lot of the pro-Catholics is just grift for a living. Or just do whatever you have to, you know, never take the jab. Lose your job. You know, d take the hard path. You're not a man. But, uh, but, it, but it turns out that, you know, a lot of these people who take these really hard line approaches already work from home already are professional Catholics, already have created income streams, they're predictable, reliable, they can create budgets off of them. You know, they're not out there in corporate America. They're not out there, like, you know, d doing whatever job it is or whatever trade it is that they have, either blue-collar, white-collar, whatever it is. And so it's really easy for Catholic commentators to say this. Kennedy is one of the only professional Catholic commentators that I know of that has actually, like has some empathy for the working man. What do you think? Certainly the church gives us principles for discernment. The church doesn't give us one objective answer for every, every person's situation. And I think that's what's most important to consider is that they offer something with which to reason from, to consider our own personal circumstances. Obviously, if you have talents, degrees, etc. Your job is on the line unless you take the jab. You have other ways of making money. If you stand up to your employers, then you don't have a whole lot. To, you may be losing a, a couple thousand dollars a year, in which case you live a little bit more simply. Um, and you, you, you find a new job with your talents where you don't have to take the jab. That, that may be one person's scenario. Another person's scenario is that they don't have these particular talents. Um, as, as Pope Leo XIII wrote in River of Navarro, not everybody has talents that you could all make the same amount of money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they're not exactly in the same situation. Also, as Kennedy pointed out, different countries are, are more aggressive as, as opposed to others. And China is, is one scenario where they'll take your kids away if you don't you know, do what they say. And another country, like the United States, they're not yet at the point of taking our, our kids away. Um, for doing these things. So different different people are in different situations. Uh, I think you're right in pointing out that um, there are certain com Catholic commentators that really do take the hard line, um, but because they also have platforms which, which they can make their needs known, make their sacrifices known, yeah. 
uh, come no, off like, as, it's, as it's somewhat. T- uh, it's easy for me to sit here and say I'm not taking the jab. I don't care what you know. I'm in. I don't care what my Marine Corps unit does to me. They can take my commission away. They can prosecute me. They might even put me in the brig. It's easy for me to say that because I can reach out to twenty five thousand of you and tell my story. If I'm just, if right. I don't have that though, mm-hmm. then it's harder. It's much harder. To, uh, look, I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying take the jab. I'll, I will never say that. I'll never recommend that. I'm just trying to to adjudicate an argument here where it seems like Kennedy is sort of striking a middle balance here. Whereas Brother Martin, I know you've taken a very hard line on this, rightfully so, and you've and you've defended it from the principle of the thing going forward. Um, I, I just wonder though, Brother Martin, if you could just. Help us land the plane on your opinion, and I'll, I'll get it over to Ryan. The, the the true question I have is, and the heart of the question is, is this the hill to die on? We have people in the live chat right now who are saying, I can't see my daughter, I can't see my grandson if I don't take the jab. Is Does God want me to not have my family? Um, you know, it's not just about earning a living. It's about, it's about uh, being able to ha- have access to our blood family. Uh, for a lot of people and, and around the world. And just based on the last name of this person, I'm guessing the person is probably in Ireland, and they're very strict there. Um, so I don't want to sit here and make all these exceptions to the rule that you can't get the jab. At the same time, I really want to understand the principle. Well, if the matter is just seeing family, um, the first thing that comes to mind is, is Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, who she left her home in Albania at the age of 16 and never saw her mother ever again. Um, there are plenty of missionaries who, who sign up for being religious communities that are missionaries. They go to Africa, et cetera, et cetera, into Muslim territories, get martyred. They never see their families ever again, and their families never see them again. Uh, at a certain point, living the Christian life uh, makes that up for grabs, whether or not you're going to see your family ever again. Thanks be to God, in our day and age, we have technology. We can call uh, our families um, like for me, I, I see my family very rarely, but you know, with technology, you can call. You can call someone with a nursing home unless they say, you know, you can't even call the people that aren't jabbed, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but 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 there is a, also a line where we have to give a Christian witness. If living the Christian life didn't require us to sacrifice anything, then what is it? You know, and 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 the more the sacrifices, the greater the witness that this life ultimately brings us joy. But I'll be honest too. I mean, there was someone who in the uh, the chat for last week or yeah last week's rundown uh, asked me, you know, what what can we do to prepare our kids for for religious life? How how can we how can we do this? I see one time often an attachment that a lot of young people have to entering religious life is pre- is precisely the relationships with families. That it's it's a be all end all. They want to be able to hang out with their family whenever they want, et cetera. Talk to them whenever they want. There are some religious communities that only give you one phone call a month uh, and one visit a year. You know, in in certain circumstances, this is the Christian life. Give, giving up mm-hmm. um, physically being present with your family is that everyone's vocation. Maybe not so much vocation, but if people are just saying, "Well, I can't see my my, my yeah. family if I don't get this job," well, can I add? I'm not I'm not talking. I'm not. Um, <clears throat> you're right, brother. And I would also make I would make a distinction. For example, you as a professed religious would have a different concept of obedience because that's the choice that you've made and, and it makes mm-hmm. sense for you to do what your your uh, superior says and it might even be just what they they might say you can't smoke cigarettes or something right. and that's silly and arbitrary but there's a reason <laughs> that you said yes to it right right um i'm not talking about seeing family um and just to, i won't give names and stuff but i'm part of a, a wonderful group of traditional faithful catholic men both uh trads officially some byzantine guys and some Novus Ordo guys who are just 
have their head screwed on straight and we're just trying to navigate through things together. And uh, we're in a position now where we've made a group where essentially, you know, we sit around the campfire and we talk and guys are leaving their jobs and they're hiring each other and their things to make sure they can do it. Like we're doing everything we can to avoid this thing. Um, you know, some guys are worried about, uh, you know, they got seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 kids. And it's like, uh, you know, guy makes a middle-class wage and we say, buddy, if you got to leave your job, we'll hire you in some way. And if you need to come ask us for money, <laughs> we'll support you. Like we're doing everything we possibly can. When I talk about not the example for, for example, of not seeing a mother in a nursing home, I'm not talking about the attachment of seeing the person I'm talking about, um, ensuring that she gets her last rights, you know? Um, which is the ultimate thing. Right. And, and we have priests that are, that are saying to themselves, do I, does one of us at our, in our order, let's say, or whatever, does one of us basically make the, pull the short straw, like in Armageddon, do we say we're going to pull the straw and will, and I'll be the hospital priest so I can give last rites. You know, that's what charity is at the, at the end of the day. It's about the love of a person's soul for the love of God, you know? And, um, some of us will be in a situation that is very sad um, and is very hard. And I think that it's possible through moral theology to justify that in certain situations. But I also believe that you have to do everything in your power to avoid that situation as best as you possibly can. And that it's not about the earthly comforts, but it's about the salvation of a person's soul. And um, I think some priests will have to make that decision, and I don't judge them for it at all because um, they're basically making a decision to do something like a Russian roulette in order to be able to get on a plane and go give sacraments in Singapore, you know, where no one else. Can yeah, but but and, but um, th- but also, I mean, and not to air any dirty laundry or, or spill secrets or anything, but I am aware of a house in the United States in which all the priests, a priory, are jabbed, and one of them died. Mm-hmm. Ryan. Um, you know, yeah. we're not. Ta- I mean, we're not talking about China here. We're talking about the Midwest. Uh, if we don't st- if we don't die on this hill, Ryan. If if we don't say no to this jab, then we're saying yes to them on the next jab, and to sterilization, and to slavery, and to and to and to exactly. euthanasia, and whatever else, right? That's precisely, I think, what we've been saying for the last year. You have to have your hill to die on. And we were talking about the Fauci diapers as being a hill to die on. And although to Kennedy's point, the one, I think one of the only times I wore one was because I had to go into court and testify for a friend of mine who's fighting for his life against charges that are absolutely false. And so I had to wear the Fauci diaper to go into court in order to give evidence that was material to his defense at his trial. And so, and I put that in the category of, and this is like if if I was a priest, uh, prima lex salus animarum, you know, the first law, law is the salvation of souls. And so if the only way I could get into that hospital to anoint this person and, and save the, hear their confession and save their soul was put on whatever uh, hazmat suit that they're they're pushing, I would have done it. Where I where I a priest in order to do that. I'm not going to, you know, because at that point now we're talking about things that are way beyond the normal experience in that that occasion calls for that kind of you know thing or sacrifice but in general the general policy what should we be doing and so i you know as we've advocated i've advocated don't get the jab we've been doing that for quite some time um i do not judge you if you did get the jab okay because i believe in health freedom i believe in people be able to make their own bodily uh, you know their own decisions 
with their bodily autonomy. And if you choose to get something that I think is really bad for you, it's, it's really not my name, my business. I will advocate saying, I really think you should resist this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that comes and that comes from a lot of sympathy, too, because it's, you know, because I run my own business and nobody can tell me to go get the thing. I can tell them to, to shove off. But there is a further consequent down the road. What if all my customers and my subscribers, and I've heard, I've mentioned in previous programs, I've lost a few subscribers because they lost their jobs and they were unable, they were not sure where their future income is going to be coming from, which I said, hey, God bless you. All the more, you know, power to you. We'll be praying for you because, you know, not giving them any, oh, no, why don't you do this? You know, because that that's the, exactly the right thing you do in that situation. You don't know where your money's come from. Time to cut off extraneous expenses like books and other things. So the same thing, too, it faces me down the road. What happens if my customers can't buy books anymore because they've lost their jobs because they wouldn't get uh, the holy sacrifice of the job? Now, I'm being put in a very similar boat that they are because then, you know, my means of income is going to dry up, too. So I'm not blind to all the things that are going on and even my own you know, potential danger and impact from all these things, right? But I do think, you know, people, one, people need to make the best decisions they can possibly make. And that we really should lean on staying away from this thing just because of what's arrayed against us. And if I could just add one more point in terms of the society, I think it would have been a lot smarter for them to just say nothing at all. Now that they have said something, this affects everybody. Whereas if they had said nothing... Then, you know, their individual conferences in countries where they're facing these very grave problems that are not for me yeah. to gainsay or judge, yeah, exactly. like in, you know, in China or in Singapore, whatever, you know, they, then the local, you know, priories there could have made these decisions. But now everybody in the society is saddled with this. So if you go in with a religious exemption to your employer, and they know you go to a society church, they Google, and they find out, oh, whoa, what do you know? The society is saying they can take this jab. So your religious exemption now goes out the window. And even though in reality, that's not how those things work. In fact, you don't even need the clergy involved well, at all in theory, and, well, to give a religious exemption. And it's not dependent on what your body well, happens to teach, actually, the way actually, it works in America. Yeah, but, but now, but, of course... You know, it depends still on what a court of law will say. I mean, you know, like the 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 new governor of New York is so confident that even the Catholic Church has endorsed the jab that she's going to win in court. So, yeah, I mean, it is it is relevant that you have a, a, an organization that then puts into writing. I think that's a brilliant point, Ryan. Look, last week we discussed whether, or two weeks ago, we discussed whether or not the Ecclesia Day uh, communities were smart in quoting, you know, Amoris Laetitiae. For, for goodness sakes, uh, in, in trying to cozy up to Rome and, and endorsing Vatican II wholeheartedly in writing. Why would you even put that in writing, right? And it's the same thing here. Why would you put this into writing? If there needs to be... You look, St. It, Thomas says you have to define the first principles first and the second principles second. And if, you, and if you do second things first, you get everything screwed up. It's first things first. And so when you argue from exceptions, it's like when people argue about abortion, when they're pro-aborts and they argue from rape and incest, they immediately want to run to the exceptions to the rule rather than defining the rule itself. Until you have the rule defined, you can't discuss the exceptions. And if you're not going to, if you're not willing to define the rule, which apparently they weren't, then you can't define the exceptions. Hey, we're going to take our mid-show break here, and we're going to discuss something that Kennedy Hall actually has one of these as well. It's called Saint Maker. I got, I have a Saint Maker. Uh, this is one of the last days. This is summer 2021. This is one of the last days I'm going to use the red one. 
My next color is in the mail, and I can't wait to receive it. But, you know, uh, we change the schedule so often for the rundown. Um, we four, four busy men. Kennedy jumps in when he can as well. It's really five of us, really six of us, too, with all the, the potential uh, guests that we have waiting in the wings. Uh, I like having a real physical planner in order to be able to plan my day and figure out what I'm going to do. As I open up today, today is Tuesday, September 28th. It's the Feast of King St. Wenceslas, as I told you. I have a child named Wenceslas. I love that. love this name. love this feast day. I love you, Wency boy. I hope you're watching. Um, I have it written on my Tuesday that we are doing this rundown, Tuesday, September 28th, along with my daily cross, my appointments, my daily devotions, my to-dos, my issues tracker. One of my issues is showing up to this on time, which we did today. We actually started two minutes early. Uh, my notes and everything. You can go to thesaintmaker.com. I have a link in the um, in the show notes. Um, I would be most honored if you would order one of these because here's the, here's the real truth. I don't. I'm not sure how long this digital world that we live in is going to survive. I'm not sure how long we can rely on our iCal's or our Outlook calendars to run our lives. I would much rather have a real planner. And I have one, and it is high quality, and it's also a weapon of opportunity. It is a blunt object that you can use to bludgeon a member of Antifa should you cross paths with one. (laughs) Okay, uh, that was the grifter segment early for me, but I wanted to do it mid-show. Hey, guys, did you know that there there is a volcanic eruption in Spain? Well, not Spain proper, but in uh in one of the islands off the coast of Spain. This, dude, check this out. I, this is four different videos compiled into one. This is the La Palma volcanic eruption. It's been going on for days. I was looking forward to talking about this Friday. Then there was, a, there, there was an earthquake in Crete, and the volcanic activity on La Palma stopped. Then it picked up, and it doubled. Es la imagen en directo que les podemos ofrecer de esa nueva boca, de nuevas dos bocas que se han abierto muy cerca del cono que seguimos atentos desde el pasado domingo. Debido a la emanación pues, de gases y de cenizas, como de manera preventiva, hay que decir, se han evacuado a los vecinos de Tacán de Arriba, Tacán de Abajo y también de Tajuya. Esta noche la tendrán que pasar fuera de sus casas. Hostia, la onda expansiva, cuidado los oídos, eh. Otro, otro bestial, madre mía. Hostia, la onda. Okay, guys, this is serious stuff. Not only, like, it's in the Canary Islands. Um, here's, here's the thing. T- my reading of this, 10 years ago, geologists published a report saying that if La Palma had significant volcanic activity, that a huge chunk of La Palma could slide into the ocean. That's bad if you're living on La Palma. It's worse if you're on the American East Coast. Because 
a sizable chunk of land sliding into the ocean like that creates a tidal wave that would travel at 800 miles an hour and be as tall as the Statue of Liberty. I mean, this is a very significant possibility here. I'm not saying evacuate the East Coast. You'll have an eight-hour notice, okay? It'll take eight hours from La Palma. I'm sure it'll be an epic traffic jam. I am saying, though, that we are poised, we are overdue, Ryan Grant, according to Father Ripperger as well, for a huge natural disaster. And I, I think, and I'm not putting words in Father Ripperger's mouth, I think that God uses natural disasters to punish mankind for our sins. Here we are, aborting babies, injecting their cells into people's bodies so that we can be safe from the flu. The literal flu. What happened to the flu? There is no flu. Flu went, from, flu went to, down to 2% this year. So we're talking about the flu. It's all a hoax. I said it. There it is. It's a hoax. Um, God is punishing us for this communist takeover, and I think we're seeing volcanoes. We're seeing earthquakes. Uh, what was the natural? What, there was a natural disaster that we covered last week, too. That, that just, it just keeps happening. The liberals call it climate change. I call it chastisement. It could very well be, and it's one of the things you see the modernists absolutely hate. They freak out every single time that some major natural disaster happens in an area where bad things had happened. Now, it's entirely possible this is just natural, or this is, um, you know, according to a sequence or either a rhythm the Earth is on, or on account of the solar grand solar minimum that we're in which is the real thing that's going on right now, not your mythical man-made climate change or some communist wet dream for the planet. It's, you know, the sun is what causes all of our climate. The sun is like almost no solar activity right now. It's just really quiet in terms of that. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. But I think it's absolutely foolish to discard that God may very well be allowing in his permissive will or even more actively uh, these things to happen as punishments for, you know, the various things, I mean, you already named it, Mike, I mean, abortion alone, and so many other hateful evils, and you look around the world, too, and you have a culture that has rejected God, Western civilization has rejected God, minus, you know, some small segments of it that are still holding on, and look at Ireland, Ireland, for, you know, it's, it's Antichrist now, the whole nation um, of Ireland, which I have Irish blood, you have Irish blood, you know, there are a lot of people in the audience that have Irish blood, but you go over there and it's like being Catholic is not just a minority in, in, in the, the homeland of Irish Catholicism. It's, it's something to be sneered at and mocked at. And now official government policies pushing as many abortions as, as sacrifices they can get to Moloch, as well as being a, you know, a horrible police state like Australia. So it's, which is horribly sad when you when you think about that. This is you know such a Catholic country, and then multiply that around the world for everything else. And so, and you really want to maintain that it's not possible that God is punishing the earth. I have a really yeah. hard time with that. And I think I mean that Jesus predicts these things in the New Testament. He says there'll be this, and there'll be this, and then, and then right. all these things will happen, right? You know, because there's some level, you know, there is a connection between what goes on in the earth and sin. And we see Brother it you Martin, know, throughout Why scripture. are modernists so quick to dismiss the, uh, the intervention of God into human affairs? Are they, are they really just like straight-up naturalists? Is that why they're Covidians? I mean, like, uh, to me, that's, that's a plausible explanation. But why do they hate the idea that God will 
allow in his permissive will hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis. For the same reason they reject the God of the Old Testament. They say that the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament because the God of the Old Testament is very angry or seems to be very angry from the perspective of the writers. Um, they don't understand that God actually is just. They think God is all loving, all merciful, is only nice. Well, you know, once we die on our judgment day, he'll just pat us on the head and say, oh, I love you. Come be with me forever, et cetera, et cetera. They don't understand that God actually hates sin and out of love for us wants to wave his arms and say, hey, turn away from your ways. Otherwise, you can't live with me forever. You can't enjoy the beatific vision if you continue this this life. But I would also take it a step further and say, that, you know, the natural disasters and stuff, I mean, when we see them on the videos, they're beautiful. They're all inspiring. For me, they call to mind the majesty of God, that he is sovereign, creator, Lord, governor of the universe. Um, I do think of God whenever I see these things. Um, and they're not just to remind us that you know things like abortion are bad, but even the sins that we commit on, on, on a daily basis are also bad because there's, there's no guarantee that we won't be the ones on the uh, to get to draw the short end of the stick, so to speak, um, when these natural disasters occur. You know, who dies, who doesn't? It's not just the ones that literally were responsible for it, the biggest sins like abortion, but those of us who, who continue to to sin and just say, oh well, well, like that e priest says on Twitter is like well, it's. Mortal sin is practically impossible. You know, nobody really commits mortal sins anymore. Well, no. I mean, when we commit sin, we commit sin, and we're part of the problem. Um, and so if we're sinners, we're part of the problem. And so we also need to look at, at, at these natural disasters and, and do some mental prayer on these natural disasters. Like, you know, I need to repent too. Mm -hmm. I need to fix the things that are in my life. That way, I'm not – first of all, I'm not responsible for these things. But also, if, if, if I am, a, you know – uh, go going to be someone who dies from the natural disasters. I need to be ready, and especially in these in these COVID times, there might not be a priest yeah. to give me last rites. Kennedy, uh, Brother Martin brings up Twitter, and I, you know what? It's I believe that Twitter might be the reason why we have volcanoes. Twitter is an absolute dumpster <laughs> fire. It's the devil's playground. People shouldn't be on it. The it only reason I'm on it is to share the the, the news of when the rundown is going to air. Uh, and and to tweak some people as well, and You're to tweak some people as well. Too. But, but you you <laughs> tend to stay above the fray, Kennedy. How do you do that? Uh, well, um, I decide. Actually, so just personal story. I <clears throat> was very uninvolved in social media. I got my Twitter account in 2009 um, because someone said there's this new Twitter thing. So I got the actual handle mm -hmm. at Kennedy Hall. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to get this uh, on this thing. And because I knew that theoretically there was going to be a professional use for it one day. You, you were planning when I had my planning major... your grifting a decade ago. Yeah. So I wanted to be a writer since I was four in grade four, as early as I can remember. I just didn't know what that meant, but it was in my gut. And um, uh, so I always thought about, OK, you know, what would that be like and have to promote yourself and stuff? And I'm terrible at self-promotion. So anyway. That's one thing I did right. But I had a major reversion in 2015, late 2014, early 2015. And I had been writing before that in various things that don't matter. I was, you know, got high marks and stuff for essays in university, whatever. And, um, but I was listening to a lecture series by Peter Kraft on Thomas Aquinas, as you do when you revert as a millennial. And, um, 
he relayed the story how Aquinas basically stopped writing the Summa because he said it was just straw. <laughs> it should be it should be it should be uh, dunged upon and thrown into the fire compared to the glory of God. And I thought, well, I'm not going to write anything as a Catholic because if Aquinas says he can't do it, what the hell am I doing? So I decided to wait for about five years. Um, I did not know that the church historically required people to wait about five years before they would publicly write about things and speak about things. But that just sort of was my, my gut feeling. So anyway, I decided in late 2019 to be active on Twitter because I wanted to give the writing thing a shot. Um, I've made some mistakes on Twitter, uh, of course. Uh, that's why I actually got a light phone and got rid of my smartphone so I could make less mistakes. And um, uh, But, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't, I don't have time for it. For me, I look at Twitter as strictly a, um, a tool that has a purpose, and that is to uh, be able to share what I think for some reason I would like to share with people. And um, there have been certain certain moments in my Twitter time that I've uh, decided to put my hand into a bear trap and debate people from California about the SSPX. Um, but I've since stopped that. And uh, it's basically just now a professional tool. I mean, you know, St. Maximilian Colby was on the radio. You know, uh, the radio is a place where, you know, Nicki Minaj, although she's kind of a <laughs> she's kind of a COVID vaccine hero now, randomly. Um, but, you know, you have this crappy music and it's a terrible medium, but it's a medium. You know, it's just it is what it is. You know, St. Paul used the letter system. I'm sure there was a lot of debauchery going back and forth in the post there and a lot of, you know, pagan anti-Christian stuff. But it was a medium to transmit a message. That's what Twitter is. If Twitter is a place that you go to um, find meaning and purpose in your life. That's sad. Um, and if you think that the, the way people think about you on there is some sort of validation to the state this of is goal, a, This too. is officially the first time a, on the rundown that uh, Nicki Minaj has been referenced. And I appreciate <laughs> Kennedy Hall for uh, being the lowest common denominator amongst the Fab Four. Um, <laughs> we have two more stories to get to. We have to talk about this Marine Lieutenant Colonel who spoke up about the thing in Afghanistan. You know, the whole thing where we bailed out on our partners there. We left people on buildings. Uh, we, we had to uh, fly them uh, with helicopters to bail them out, even though Biden said that we wouldn't, it wouldn't end that way. Remember that whole thing where we ended up giving billions and billions of dollars worth of tactical military equipment to the Taliban? And after, f after 20 years of fighting, 4,000 dead, billions of dollars spent, we replaced the Taliban with... The Taliban. Well, one Marine lieutenant colonel, a, a commanding officer, actually, had something to say about it. Remember the evening. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, United States Marine. Played you the video last week. Guess where he is now? Well, he's in jail. He's in the brig. Because in the United States of America, the USSA, uh, you don't get to speak out against, uh, against the leftist regime. Remember Colonel Zimmerman? Or Zinner, Zinnerman? Zinnerman? What's his name? The guy that, that testified against Vindeman? Trump. Vindeman. Vindeman, yes. Vindeman with one like N that. in his name. Note that, one N. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman now has a lucrative deal where he is in private practice. He was able to retire with honor. He was able to keep his pension. And the Pritzker Foundation, speaking of Chicago, the Pritzkers you know, the, 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 the 400-pound man that runs Chicago? He comes from a billionaire family of uh, hotel people. They, they own, uh, I think it's the Hyatt Hotels that they own, amongst other things. They run 
the city of Chicago. They run the city of Los Angeles in many ways. The Pritzkers have something in common. I don't know what that is with Vinman, one N. And uh, Vinman, who uh, lied about President Trump, who was the Ukrainian guy. Remember that guy? Well, he's in private practice now. He's got a lucrative job, and he's the Pritzker military fellow uh, now practicing private practice. But, but uh, unfortunately, if you speak out and say, hey, guys, why did we replace the Taliban with the Taliban? You now literally go to the brig. You're literally in jail in the USSA. Who's running this country right now? That's the question. Well, it's probably the Pritzkers, the Vinmans, and uh, the related people uh, like that. Okay, that's about as dicey. I, th- I think that's as edgy as I'm allowed to get on this show. Is that correct? Generally. <laughs> take, it, take it a step further, Mike. One step, well, I, I figure since ivermectin was brought up <laughs> and, and, uh, and uh, something. Anyway, so uh, that's, that's that. Uh, we, let's, go to our final, let's go to our final story. Wokeness. Kenny Hall's here to talk about wokeness. Uh, two stories on wokeness. Here's, here's the first clip. Members of the school board who are conspiring on how to get critical race theory into the classroom, even though it was banned in the state of Florida by USS DeSantis. Circumstance where educators are potentially going to be fined for uh, encouraging that same kind of dialogue among students and so forth. And someone had asked in the chat here, uh, and there's a, there's a discussion going on about the chilling effect of those fines. So I'd like to pose to all of you this specific question raised by uh, Christy here. She asked, can we maintain the debate when teachers and districts are threatened with fines and revoked funding? Educational activism can look different ways. I don't think everybody got to lose their job. I don't think everybody got to lose their paycheck. Okay, I, I, I think that some some will, and we need those people. So I think I think there's a continuum of educational activism. I think we need our provocateurs. We need our martyrs. We need we need people who are going to be able to engage in that way. But we also, all right, we also need our covert activists. We also need our tempered radicals. You know, we need people along the continuum to continue advancing the work in different ways and and uh, and pushing each other as we advance. And the other point, Sophia, that you just made that that just really resonates is around the collective action that no one of us is better as all of us together, that, that as we engage together and we use each other's strengths is, is how we really continue along that path. Okay, so actively, actively trying to figure out, I'll cut, I'll cut to the ASU clip as well, just so we can talk about wokeness on campus and education in general, because I think this is a topic that comes up every now and then on the rundown, and we really need to talk about it. What did I do wrong? You have a better... You're, you're offensive. Police lives matter? You have the same sticker. We're just trying to do school. What? You guys have the same sticker as the other... But this is our space. We've got a police lives matter sticker and we're getting kicked out. Can't do school. Nobody's you, you just said we have to leave. No, I said... You're making the space uncomfortable. uncomfortable. But you're white. Do you understand what a multicultural space? It means you're not being centered. White's not a culture? No. No, it's not a culture. It's white is not a culture. Say it again to the camera. You think whiteness is a culture? This is insane. So anyway, this is the violence that ASU does, and this is the type of people that they protect. Okay, this white man thinks he can take up our space, and this is why we need a multicultural space, because they think they can get away with this shit. I'm going to sit here the whole time and you can find somebody to kick that, me That's cool. We, we're we not will. kicking you out. We're asking you to leave if you have any consideration for people of color and our marginalized. So clearly don't. 
Yeah, the whole rest of the campus, the whole, the second floor, the first floor, the whole MU, every single part of the campus centers you. This is the only space that you're not centered and you're still trying to center yourself, which is peak white cis male bullshit. You are racist, your sticker is racist because police, that's a job. You can choose to be a police. I didn't, I don't choose to be black. Okay? No, you can choose to be a cop, you can choose to kill people with a badge, and you're protecting that shit, which means that you're racist. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to offend you guys. I know, I know, but this offends us automatically because these people kill people like me and like us, right? So you're promoting our murderers. So please just don't do that. Thank you, thank you. So why should that bother you? Because... Do you understand that police lives matter was in response to Black Lives Matter? Be the same fucking question as you. Yep. Hold on. But yeah, that's fine. And you have everywhere. You have. I'm working sixty hours a week while going to school because my parents don't just give me money. But it doesn't. Okay, it doesn't matter. So Kennedy, you, you're a reformed public school teacher. It's my contention that it is mortal sin to send your children to public school. It is a mortal sin if you don't have to do it. Or if you're not doing it for strategic reasons. Like, I know people who homeschool up until high school, and then they send their kids to a safe high school, and they do it in a very controlled way. Look, I'm, I'm, not, look, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just saying the general principle is that public school is so woke, so bad, so ridiculous, so pernicious to the eternal salvation of your precious children in whom God has placed care for their soul, uh, that to do it is a moral sin. You taught in a public school. What do you think? Hmm. <clears throat> well, this will go back to what I was saying about the, um, the grave cause for the, uh, the jab. <clears throat> I actually know a priest from Switzerland who went to public school in Switzerland growing up because you weren't allowed to homeschool your kids, but now he's an amazing priest. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, schools are a funny thing because education is an amazing thing. It really is, uh, you know, and I'm not doctrinaire about it. In fact, um, if I could go back and do my education all over again, I would like to do it the way C.S. Lewis did it when his ages of about 13 to 18, when he lived with a, uh, a retired Oxford professor. And it was basically like homeschooling with a, an amazing intellect and um, just sounded so wonderful in the way he studied. And, but at the same time, I understand that, you know, Aquinas went off and was taught by the priests and monks in a more of a traditional fashion. And, and the society has started great schools all over the world and, and homeschooling mothers are doing an incredible job. My wife is a, is a, is a superwoman the way she does it with our kids. And uh, schooling is, is ultimately about getting your children to heaven. And um, you have to essentially uh, balance all the factors and finding the way that you can do that given your context. As far as public schools go, um, it is possible. It is possible for there to be decent schools funded by the public. I think there are some okay charter schools uh, in certain places. I think historically schoolhouses and things like that that were funded by small regional municipalities and things like that could be fine. But it's obviously become a certain leviathan and the uh, the wokeness is the, the doctrine. And um, it's not even just about the content. It's about the method. Okay, the method of public schooling is anti-education, ultimately. Um, so <clears throat> this person is just saying what many teachers believe, and that basically they have this uh, messiah complex that they've been chosen, they've received special training, and uh, they're the most important people on earth. And if they don't teach their children, uh, the children that they believe are theirs, because they're ultimately Marxists, if they don't teach that, um, 
then, uh, you know, that's a problem and they have to teach it, you know, parents be damned. Um, but all that hypocrisy was laid bare when all the teachers who acted as if the world would shut down uh, if they didn't have your children every day from nine till three. Um, they all decided, uh, even though the vast majority of them are the age of 60 and have no risk of this thing, even if you take the mainstream numbers that even rivals the seasonal flu, but they all decided to take a six-month extended vacation because it was just too unsafe for them to be saviors to your children until it was until it was safe. So public schooling is, uh, is a nightmare. However, I will say this. Uh, one thing I do miss about teaching, I really do, is regardless of all the flaws, if you're a good person and you're in the system and you have children under your care, they're going to go to school anyway. Um, so if you're there, do the best possible job that you can do because you can make a difference in their lives, um, in ways that might lead to things like them coming to the truth of the faith, et cetera, and, and, and becoming a much better person. And, and sadly, as our society uh, deteriorates in some ways for a lot of kids, it really is their refuge. Um, you know, they're in group homes and things like that, and it's all very sad. Um, so if you're there and you can be a good person there, then that's something to, to celebrate. But generally speaking, it's a dumpster fire. Um, brother, I, I don't know. It sounds like an extreme position, but I do believe it's, it's linked really to the Freemasonic attack on the family. It's this idea that, you know, we're going to have we're going to devalue our currency and create uh, unnecessary inflation so that the purchasing power of people continues to go down and therefore we need to empower women and it's feminism and we have to get women out of the house and therefore they're not available to homeschool their children and therefore the state can take control of the children and they can indoctrinate them. Uh, it's, 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 it's all part of a master plan and I think that most traditionalists reject all of it and part of the reason why they tend to homeschool is to preserve the purity of their children um, and and transmit the faith effectively to them, which they'll, of course, not transmit in a public school. Excuse me. But I, I, I think that the economics and the social policy and the psychology and, uh, and the theology and the philosophy, all of these things are, are related. So I, I feel quite justified in saying, um, which, which, is, which has been an unpopular opinion of mine for, for quite some time, and it tweaks some people on Twitter, public school is a mortal sin. Sure, I'll take it even further. Me, myself, I went to a, a Jesuit high school for the first two years of my high school career, so to speak, and I had such a terrible experience there. I actually saw, like, drug trades there. Like, just hanging out in the band room, seeing people, you know, take weed out of their gym bag, pass it to the other guy, etc. I uh, could never find any Christian friends at this Jesuit high school. The only place I could find Christian fa- friends was when I transferred to a public high school. And so to put things in perspective, it isn't just the public high schools that uh, are an extreme threat to your to your children's upbringing, to, your, to their formation. But even the institutional Catholic high schools, many of them, most of them, the majority of them are, are not any better whatsoever. This was somewhat had to do with my unpopular opinion last week about what things really were like back in the day when we had actually real religious sisters with rulers, uh, you know, forming your children and how, how it was, uh, you had had to have a dispensation from your bishop to send your kid to anything other than a Catholic school. Um, so there's that. So it's true that, and, and also one thing that I, that I hesitated to do is also pinning it just on the Freemasons, pinning all of this just on the commies, because you know what? I mean, the devil works through all these mediums. It, it's, it's, it's guerrilla warfare. 
um, is we're, we're being attacked from all sides, from everybody. And of course, they all have certain principles. Karl Marx in, in the Communist Manifesto wrote that, uh, I mean, because he hated co- capitalism so much, he, he saw the traditional understanding of the family as the main reason of why people of why people needed capitalism. And so that's why one of the things he wanted to do was to destroy the traditional family. Am I still there? Am I frozen? I can't tell. Hello? I can hear you. Okay. Um, sorry, my screen froze. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, economically, there was a reason why Karl Marx wanted to attack the traditional family. You know, husband, wife, children, uh, faithful for life. Um, Freemasons, of course, they wanted to destroy the Catholic Church. They see the family as a nucleus. The family is, is I mean, in society-wise, they want to conquer society. They, in one sense, they don't, don't, don't really care what religion you believe in. They're creating their own religion themselves, naturalistic religions. Um, but they want to restructure society. And so they attack the family for economical stability. They attack the family for its moral stability um, and every such thing. So, yeah, but, but I would extend it. Even further, we, we need to be careful about Catholic schools as well. There was there was a conference I went to where there was a, a panel of bishops, um, and the bishops were being asked questions of what they, could they do regarding Catholic uh, Catholic education, etc. And all the bishops did was complain that Catholic schools aren't Catholics. Well, bishops, I'm sorry, but if even you don't have authority to change this, the the, you know, the situation in, in Catholic schools in your own dioceses, then then who are we to expect this change change to come from? If we can't expect it from the bishops. Then, then we should really, you know, say, uh, you know, push Catholic schools aside as well and consider them public schools, because they're they're being run by the same Karens, by the same ideology, by the same pro- uh, progressivism and and everything else. Um, and so it is. I mean, I, as I've said before in the last few rundowns, I mean, I'm coming down even harder uh, onto the last few weeks. But we really do need to start considering our lives to be very rough in the near future, um, because we have to do things well. We have responsibilities. We have to fulfill them. You know, enough. Enough with our American lifestyle. Enough with our comfort. Enough with um, yeah. with our entertainment. Um, the future is going to re- require us to, to really care about the important things and to, in one sense, be miserable for it, but because we know that's a crown yeah. in heaven for yeah. it. Uh, it's, it's a paradox of our As life. a heads up to Kennedy, I know you've been on the rundown before, but uh, what's coming up hmm. is the unpopular opinion segment. And this is where you say something that you believe is unpopular. And then people vote for the objectively most unpopular. Uh, I want you to put that in your mind, Kennedy, while we cut over to Ryan, who can land the plane on schooling, wokeness in public schools, the danger of public schools. Um, Ryan, can you can you help round out the conversation, though? Because we have parents who are taking out loans to send their children to places like ASU so that they can get a college degree in something that is maybe not going to help them earn more than somebody who goes to a trade school. Help us understand really like higher education, who it's appropriate for in your view. I know you homeschool your seven or is it eight children now? Um, but, but the, the question is about higher education because I think a lot of people struggle with this particular thing it's the american dream it's the american thing you got to go to get your college degree and then get your white collar job is that realistic in 2021 i don't even think it was realistic in 1990 1995 when i got whisked away and 
uh, in this called these college programs in high school. And the, the received wisdom was if you had a bachelor's degree, then you would get any job there was whatsoever. And that's just simply not the case. You, you were not going to get any job. Yeah, a lot of times you're overqualified or you're underqualified because then you'll say, well, I got a bachelor's degree. Yeah, but we need a bachelor's degree with these specific focuses and so on and so forth. But even suppose you get those. If you're look at what we do in college now, even if you get your kids to a good Catholic college, um, like a like a or at least the ones that have the reputations of being good. We're not going to debate which one really is good or better. But, you know, you're Chris and um, you're, um, you know, Ave Maria, what else? The, you know, my alma mater, Steubenville's thrown out there. Uh, Wyoming Catholic College is often thrown out as a good one or St. Thomas Aquinas College, whatever. Look at what we're doing there. Uh, you go through an arts curriculum. And you learn certain languages, maybe some of them may make you learn Latin, some of them they don't. Even if you look at secular colleges that are very high end colleges, the idea is you're going to learn the arts. Well, what arts are they teaching? Uh, Joe Sobrin, uh, I believe, is the one who made this, the observation that we went from teaching Latin and Greek in uh, grade school to teaching remedial English in college. And you go to even a major university and you have 25, 30 year olds sitting there in remedial, uh, you know, algebra classes acting like children that haven't learned anything yet. But they had some rich uh, family member who got them in there. You have kids in, in graduate now like Latin and Greek. Let's just take Latin and Greek. If you have a classics degree, I do not have a classics degree. I taught myself with pain, suffering and tears and now translate books. You get a lot of people who go through classics. And a lot of times, you know, their actual grasp on it was questionable. You did have some exceptionally brilliant people that came out of that. But now the universities are dropping the requirement to actually learn Latin or Greek in order to get a degree in the classics, which is absolute absurdity. They've literally dropped that now. And everything you do in classics, because I, I, I see a lot of these forums, it's all woke. It's not even, hey, let's explore how, you know, uh, people of color had to endure things in the, in the ancient world because that would at least require them to be reading and reading in Latin to see how, you know, uh, people like that fared in the Roman Empire and things of that sort might be actually interesting. Do some real history. No, no, no. It's all it's all woke stuff um, and how classics can help uh, the marginalized, uh, you know, whatever. So you're not gaining anything by sending your kids to a university. You're just not. Unless, in a, in a purely secular sense, if they go into the sciences or if they have the aptitude for it and they go into law, there's already too many lawyers, but if you're smart and you know what you're doing, you could actually make some money out of it. But um, unless you're doing those things, you're never going to make back that money or it's going to be extremely hard to make back that money. It might be 10, 15, 20 years before you pay it off. Unless you're going in the sciences, universities are cutting back their arts programs. They're cutting back English. They're cutting back uh, even even theology is under threat at Catholic universities. So they're actually cutting these back. Why? Well, they're not really used for anything. You're not going to get a job with these things. And anybody who has a job teaching history or English, they will hold on to that job until they are dead. Okay, absolutely until they're dead. Um so so ultimately, when you get down to it, uh, there's no point in sending your kids to higher ed to learn these things, because you can learn them all in uh, in your primary schooling, right? Latin and Greek and history, which all becomes a part of everything else. Uh, and you can learn that better than a lot of people who are graduating with college degrees in this subject. You just enkindle the love of learning in students or you find a tutor who can. 
or if you have an exceptionally good private school locally where that can be done and you're ready to pinch the pennies for that also again you know didn't try that you know i can't i'm not going to be the judge and tell you how to do things and you know i'm not i we, we had a lot of faults and failures learning our way through homeschooling i'm by no means the paragon of uh excellent and incredible schooling um you know it's uh but that's just where you have to look at it is that the schools it's just like the cultural revolution in china if you're familiar with the history of Chinese communism, uh, go learn about the Cultural Revolution under, under Mao. When all the universities and schools went woke, and they, just got, they didn't just go woke, they went violently woke with uh, people siding with different communist party members and going after each other. It was one gal accidentally messed up in one of the Chinese characters trying to spell Mao's name, and then she was um, drummed out, almost killed. A couple of times for it, you know, I mean, that's how bad it got. But that that's where we're going now in universities like that video clip showed. So really, you know, the, the university, the schools, those are not the places where we're going to have authentic learning or restoration. If you want your son to have a good classical education, give it to him in primary school. Get him directed readings, get uh, all these sorts of things, you know, together and then send him to learn something that is going to make money. We, they need electricians, they need trades, they need, you know, and help them find their interests too. You know, just look at your kid, okay, well, you're going to be a plumber. You know, help them find their interests, help them find the things that are interested in and gear them toward the trades because, I mean, I'm doing that with my kids. I'm not, um, you know, taking out $200,000 so I can send my kids to college so they can lose the faith. They're actually more than that probably. Um you know, lose the faith and lose their soul and lose everything else in some secular wasteland. Now, maybe if I, you know, we, we do a good enough job, maybe they won't, but it's a bad place to put them into that kind of temptation. So unless there's sufficient reason for it, or again, they're right. going into the sciences. So that that's kind of my, my thought on it is I don't see any utility I think to university. Probably we can we can Even, skip the um the unpopular opinion segment because Ryan's gonna win this week. Don't send your daughters to college. <laughs> Don't send your sons to college unless they're going to be lawyers or doctors or priests. Um, okay, there. I love it. Um, right? Let's, let's get to the end pops, like though. Let's get to the end pops. <laughs> Kennedy, I'll, I normally start with the person in the top right corner, which is you. But you're filling in for mm. Steve, and I'll skip mm-hmm. you for now. I'll show mercy. Ryan, you just talked. So we, unfortunately, Brother Martin, we're going to have to start with you. Unpopular opinion for the week. <laughs> all right we'll see if i could i can get a base hit i guess um these one of steve's sports analogies my unpopular opinion this week is that there are no good bishops all the bishops in the united states have let us down both uh ordinaries and um emeritus there have been a lot of seminarians that have come to me especially after traditionis custodis wondering how to get ordained Wondering what the future is like for the rest of us, um, where to go to support, where to go for valid orders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously, obviously, the SSPX, I mean, they've got their three bishops, um, but they can't cover the whole church with just those three. <laughs> you know, and so in, in one sense, yeah, they're big. They're, in one sense, credible, um, but they they just don't have the the structure to support the whole world. Um, so so where, so where do we go? Um Many of us seminarians have, have emailed or have spoken personally to the bishops that everyone would think would support traditionalists. But a lot of them come out on social media 
as as superheroes. They say one line, two lines. They write one article, etc., um, to show that they've that they're giving us their, their moral support. But they're not going to stick their their necks on the line to save the traditional Latin Mass. They're not going to stick the, their necks out on the line to ensure that your children are raised in the traditional Catholic faith. They're just not going to stick their neck neck out on the line for anything worthwhile sticking their neck out on the line for. Um, and so if you think the, the future of the church is regular, if you think the, the future of the church um, is going to follow the red tape, if you think the future of the church is going to be uh, nice and clean, clean cut, much like the Ecclesia Dei communities were trying to be, it, it's over. Um, one of the things that we predicted on the rundown was that um, Rome was going to go after the, the, the seminaries first and foremost, of the Ecclesia Dei communities. This past week, we didn't get to the topic in the rundown, but um, the bishop, the Archbishop of Guadalajara in Jalisco, Mexico, shut down the, the fraternities seminary there in Mexico. They're going after the seminaries, they're going after the parish, they're taking away their canonical status as little by little that which they can do, um, just biding time until Pope Francis wants to suppress the fraternity of St. Peter, wants to suppress the Institute of Christ the King, which he can do. He has perfect authority then those priests have to go incarnate in dioceses and be subject to the, the local bishop and do the novus ordo etc etc or, or go rogue um this is eminent this isn't just a mere prediction this is the way things go there's there's precedence for this and, and if, if, if you want to call me out say I'm, I'm i'm being dramatic just wait a few months it's it's, it's happening so that's my that's my unpopular opinion is that the the future of the traditional Catholic Church of the authentic Church the true Church Church is going to appear to be irregular. You waited for Steve to be absent for that one. I was hoping he'd be here. I, I was hoping he'd be here. I didn't plan. I was I was looking at this. That was a tactical. That was a tactical thing, and I'm not sure if Steve's watching right now, but uh, text me, Steve. I want to I want to hear your thoughts. Um, okay, Ryan Grant. Your unpopular opinion for this week? I'm just going to carry over my last little uh, spiel on uh, you know, <laughs> at least with a lot of people, that's unpopular. Don't don't send your kids to college. Don't waste the money. And actually, somebody pointed out in the chat, um, a lot of the sciences, people are dumbed down to, to heck, and people are dumb. Um, math, I used to look at is that was the one place that you couldn't conquer until uh, my substitute taught in the public schools for a while. And then I'm looking through this math book and it's all woke. He, they even managed, I mean, excessive word problems wherever they can, but it's like, wh what are you using word problems for in algebra? That's like you, maybe your pre-algebra. This is algebra two and they're the, wherever they can. And it's all the woke agenda, talking points, whatever in the textbook. And so, um, you know, the sciences, I mean, you look at what we do in the sciences, we bring in H1B1 visas and to, to bring basically the Asians over to do our science for us. And I'm not trying to, you know, be at all racist. That, that's just reality. That's what happens. They they're literally are trying to get the best and brightest out of Asia or out of, of other places, other countries, and bring them in here to do the science because most Americans don't do the science. They don't actually learn it very well. At least in terms of the hard sciences, the practical sciences and, and everything. So even there, you're not really gaining anything sending your kids to college except to be inundated with the woke stuff. Practical experience, human experience, I think that counts for a lot more. <clears throat> All in favor of learning Latin and Greek in primary schools. 
There will be people who learn it exceptionally well and will continue it throughout their lives and continue to use it throughout their lives. And maybe eventually we'll get to a restoration of culture where that's valued again. And knowing Latin extremely well will get you any job in the world like it did in the 16th century. But in the meantime, you look at reality, you want to have Catholic families. You need to find you know ways for your kids to get in on trades that are extremely important, heavily skilled labor. And so that's why I say, yeah, don't send your kids to college, except in exceptional cases where there's sufficient reason or really is necessary. Okay, Ryan uh, pulling a Trump and doubling down. Kennedy Hall, base lumberjack from the north, working for LifeSite News, broadcasting daily on the Crusade Channel with Mike Church. Kennedy Hall, your unpopular opinion for this week. I don't think this will be too unpopular amongst, uh, well, it'll be, it'll make some mutuals of ours, uh, pull their hair out. Um, so here we go. Uh, I think that Catholics, traditional Catholics for very practical reasons, uh, need to get over their aversion to libertarianism and consider some form of that as one of the only practical ways forward for any, um, well, for any civic engagement in any way that's meaningful. So basically I'm saying um, libertarianism needs to be considered by traditional Catholics. Remember that it's a political philosophy and it's not dogma, so you can reject what you don't like and you can take what you think is good. That's what we do with all philosophy. That's what Aquinas did with Aristotle. Um, that's what, you know, that's just what we've done in the church. It's not from heaven. It's just an idea, a set of ideas that various people have, and they might be good, they might be bad. Um, I think that the only sane people left in Canada right now, as far as political activity goes, are basically people who are Mises uh, <clears throat> disciples, Rothbardians, etc. And I've met them, and they're the only people that want me to be able to live a life with my children and not have them taken away by the jab police. And um, that's just where I am. So I think traditional Catholics need to, let's say, uh, not... Um, not shelve their, and I, I share these sentiments, the integralist monarchical sentiments that they all, we all have deep in our hearts. But I think for practical purposes, it's time to t pick up the, uh, the uh, libertarian literature and see how to use that today. I don't know. I don't know how this happened, but you predicted what my unpopular was going to be Kennedy. <laughs> but of course, mine's the inverse wow. of yours. So I love it. I think a libertarianism is lame. I almost used a different word that I'm not supposed to say on YouTube. I think libertarianism is a joke, <laughs> and here's why. You have to have okay. a rule of law, and you just do. And here's how you can see it. If you're attending the traditional Latin Mass right now, I don't care where you are, in the world, in the country, in the, in the North American continent, wherever, you are currently being overrun, overrun, I say, by refugees, COVID refugees. The culture of your parish is being diluted. The culture of your parish is being overrun by these people who are coming in. Yes, they're seeking asylum, sure. They're seeking asylum from the COVID religion, and we should welcome them in. But if we welcome them in in too large of a number... If we don't have an orderly transition, if we don't have assimilation into our parishes, if they don't learn how to dress, how to behave, how to worship, how to love God, 
how to enculturate themselves into the traditional community, then we risk losing it all. And libertarianism in general is to blame for this. Libertarianism in general allows for people to do whatever the heck they want so long as they're not bothering me. Well, guess what? If you're bothering God, you're bothering me. There's no such thing as a private sin. And when you show up to my parish and you have neck tattoos and you are unrepentantly wearing shorts to my parish, you're not only bothering God, you're bothering me, and, you're, and you are uh, committing violence to my faith, to my family's faith, to my children's faith. So libertarianism is intertwined to my unpopular opinion that, yes, we need to welcome all of these COVID refugees. Yes, there are people seeking the sacraments in the wake of the stunning betrayal of these sheeps, these wolves in sheep's clothing, these, um, these, uh, these hirelings that claim to be bishops. They're wearing their grinder miters. Yes, we absolutely need to welcome people who are trying to run away from the grinder miters in the wake of 2020 and 2021. But if you welcome them in too great of number, and if you don't have an immigration process set up in your parish, you will lose your parish. You will lose your parish, and libertarianism is partly to blame for that. That's my unpopular opinion. Okay, we got to get to the grifter segment, guys. We are grifting. Now, listen, I'm going to do two people on this show a huge solid, and I'm going to grift for them. Because I happen to have, first of all, where's my Kennedy Griff video? I happen to have Kennedy Griff. Kennedy is looking for subscribers, and here's why you need to join up with the base lumberjack of the North. Here are the instructions to do that. To save the world, you got to get up early, because being awake is the enemy of being woke. Here's what I want to know. Why isn't this Emperor Fauciatine guy buried, not in jail, underneath the jail with his henchman, Scarf Vader? Hmm? For six long years, Mike Church and the Crusade Channel have waged daily mortal combat with the cult of death. But saving the world is a full-time gig. That's why we brought in Kennedy Hall. Mike Church and the Crusade Channel are doing their part. And I can do mine. I'm asking you to join me. Big tech and the elites don't like our message, and they'll do anything they can to censor us. So no one hears the truth. Have fun with that. But you can't censor the crusade. We need 500 new subscribers to make this happen. You can waste your money in a lot of places, but why not spend 10 bucks a month to join the crusade channel and be part of something big? Do this now to guarantee my July 19th launch date. Listen to the Mike Church Show on Crusade Channel for my guest appearances, regular guest hostings, and for announcements about the show. Oh, man, I think I left my pipe in the woods. The Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing.
My name is Brother Martin Navarro, and I'm one of the founders of the Oblates of St. Augustine. Less than a year ago, we began our monastery in a building lent to us for free by some generous friends, but we've quickly outgrown its size. Now, we're asking for your help to purchase a property adequate for a traditional Catholic monastery to grow and thrive. We began the Oblates of St. Augustine as a response to the theological and spiritual crisis in our time. The Church needs monasteries faithful to the traditional theological formulations of the Catholic faith as expressed clearly in the Council of Trent, as well as opt exclusively for the traditional Roman Rite for both the Holy Mass and the Divine Office. Unfortunately, the significance of consecrated souls in the life of the Church has also been largely forgotten or misunderstood, resulting in the drastic diminished numbers of religious and the closing of many monasteries and convents. We wanted to found a monastery that faithfully lives the holy rule of our father, St. Augustine, where we can dedicate our lives to pursuing a conversion of life as a response to God's love for us, to the study of truth, most especially in sacred scripture, and in concretely living out God's love for us by loving our brothers and community. Consecrated souls are set apart from the world by God to merit graces for families in the world by their penance, sacrifice, and holiness. This is why it is imperative that we work to restore the traditional charisms of the religious life in the church and help these communities to grow in whatever way we can. This campaign is to do just that. Giving just $10 a week for 10 weeks and sharing this link with all of your friends via social media, email, or text can help us reach a milestone in an authentic reform of Holy Mother Church. May Our Lady of Consolation, our Holy Father St. Augustine, and our Holy Mother, St. Monica, intercede on your behalf for your generous support. Okay, so that's two of the four. I, I really have nothing to grip this week, other than I am I am announcing that in all likelihood, it's not, it's not totally confirmed yet, but in all likelihood, I will be attending the CIC, the Catholic Identity Conference, up in Pittsburgh. If any of you are going to be there, I look forward to meeting you. Shake your hand. Um, also, if you're wondering about this new background, this is temporary again. I'll do one more rundown with this background. This is my la second to last show up on my temporary job site in the Northeast before I can finally go home, I hope, and set up RTF Studio 2.0. Um, but I have nothing to grift this week other than, hey, would you buy one of these, please? Because they're awesome. They really are. It's a blunt object. It's high quality. Um, and it keeps, well, it keeps my calendar straight. And it can help keep your calendar straight, too. Look, Kennedy even has one as well. Ryan Grant, what are you grifting this week? But before you buy one of those, you need to buy okay, one of Okay, that these. works. That works. So, <laughs> Caesar Cardinal Baronius. Un, you know, figure a lot of people have heard the name. They know the, you know, something about him, maybe. If you read this book, you know a lot about him. And so he was uh, disowned by his family for joining up with St. Philip Neri and uh, the Oratorians. And just how Philip Neri just kind of directed him, as he could read souls, into all the right uh, you know, dispositions and places for him to be. He ends up becoming a confessor to Pope Clement VIII, 
and is punished for it by being made a cardinal, which he absolutely did not want to be made. A great friend of St. Robert Bellarmine. Um, I'll have more to say about that him a little bit later. Uh, founder of church history, the Annales, right? He actually wrote uh, a 13-volume work on church history based on all his work on manuscripts. He basically forged the manner of historiog historiography that we use today. So and beside uh, Baronius, I also have, we're coming up on October, and that means that's followed by November. So you want to be ready with all your books for the uh, the poor souls. So the All Souls Forget-Me-Not, it's a wonderful purgatory manual prayer book. Even has the whole office for the dead in it from like 1901, so you're definitely pre-55. Uh, it's got different ways of following Mass. It's got even a nice little treatise and devotional about uh, the Holy Souls. So a great way to have uh, devotion to the Holy Souls is with that particular uh, you know, manual. I also do have it in hardcover. And so, and it's actually the same for the Baronius. Um, and then this time next week, I'm going to be renting a car and driving down south, uh, down to the Lone Star State, because on Friday, October 8th, and Saturday, October 9th, I will be speaking at Mater Dei in uh, Dallas, uh, the Diocese of Dallas-Fort Worth in Irving, Texas. Um, it just it, it was up in the air. That's why you haven't seen it announced too heavily over there, because they were just waiting for diocesan paperwork to go through between the my diocese and their diocese. We finally made that breakthrough. That's finally happening. So I will be talking. And uh, their alcohol is provided, so you will be able to get through it all. But uh, October 8th and 9th, <laughs> I'm giving four talks on St. Robert Bell. Hey, Ryan, are those talks being recorded? They will be recorded locally. Um, I will I will have to talk to the events coordinator about um, whether those would be available for purchase or like one of them be for free and you purchase the rest. I don't know um, how exactly we're going to I mean, I'm just saying like RTF, RTF could distribute those talks. Hey, we're supposed to do an there. interview of, uh, with uh, with you. We're supposed to do a talk about St. Bellarmine. That's right. We are. We should do it. We oh should God, do it before your drive. So, like, as a warm up for before you get to modern day. That's not a bad idea. I did one with Steve actually at the, the resistance last uh, on the seventeenth. We did one right on the four hundredth anniversary of his death, which uh, went for two hours. So you get getting get a good drink ready and uh, make your way through that. I love it. Let's set it up. Okay, guys, this is a rundown. It's so. Awesome doing this show. Kennedy Hall, thank you for joining us. Special guest. God bless you guys. Please do me a favor. Subscribe. You'll notice that if you're not a subscriber, you can't even participate in the live chat anymore. That's a new thing. you got to be a subscriber. Wow. You have to subscribe on YouTube. Why? Because we need more people. Why do we need more people? We'll tell you later. But it's real. It's real.